The Old Gold Club. Powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. The one-stop shop for all your building and DIY products. Ooh. Ow. <laughs> You're right there, Steve. Yeah, sorry, I got my finger stuck. Uh, we may as well make that the start of the podcast. <laughs> I like it when we have these random beginnings. Yeah. Uh, that's Steve Daly hurting his finger on the uh, headphones. Um, welcome to the programme. Thank will, you. Thanks for the we'll, invitation. We will talk uh, in depth about a lot of things uh, coming up, and I know you've got some good stories. <clears throat> if you Just bear with me a second, because, of course, my uh, long-time colleague, Chris Owellamo, is alongside me, and I just have to make sure, Steve, because um, the last episode that we did um, got a little bit sweary, uh, really? With who? Uh, well, with Looms uh, was was. I don't even see Yeah, he had, he, had, he had a bit of a potty mouth on the really? last episode. Um, he got very heated in a debate about who was better, Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi. Um, who did Chris say? He said Cristiano Ronaldo. I agree with him because he's a big lad, isn't he? <laughs> If you disagree with him, there could be consequences. Well, there nearly was, Steve, <laughs> to be honest with you, because everybody else in the room had gone Lionel Messi, and he didn't take it well. Uh, so um, I just wanted to be justified why you said Messi. I don't want to start it again. I had a little chuckle from, from Josh in the background there. I don't want to start it again. I asked you why Lionel Messi. Yeah, told, we did I told you it. why I felt Cristiano Ronaldo. Just, just steady. It can't be argued with. So just steady yourself. Just don't, don't, because I know you've not had much sleep either. So I've, uh, yeah, I've so, had let three, three hours sleep. We, so yeah, so we settled, well, we've half settled the debate right, of, okay. of Messi versus Ronaldo. <laughs> um, just if, if Looms isn't listening, right, if he, if he looks away a minute, who are you actually going for? Honestly and truly. Yeah. Is he not listening? He's not listening. Ronaldo. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, all right, so at least one person agrees with you, Looms, that you can be happy this week. Um, We're obviously going to talk a lot about um, your career and actually a little bit about your career when you left Wolves because there was a lot of interesting stuff that that went on in your life and it kind of changed you and turned you into a very different path. And when I spoke to you yesterday when we were building up to this, one thing you said to me was that you're now effectively been longer as an after-dinner and motivational speaker than you were as a footballer. Your yeah. second career is now your primary career of your yeah, life, absolutely. effectively. Yeah, I've been, I've been doing after... I've just been telling Chris, I've been doing after-dinner speaking now probably 19 years. And, and that, that's in conjunction with the motivational uh, talks when I go into schools and colleges and prisons, believe it or not, football clubs. Uh, and it's just a, it, because what happened to me in my career, uh, Mikey, the ups and the downs and everything, you know, it, whatever you want to achieve in your life, you can do it. If you've got that belief and that strength and that determination and you structure your life, like, you, you know, you, you set goals and targets that you want to achieve. Uh, and, and, and I did that and I achieved 99.9% of, of, of my targets. And uh, a lot of people don't think they can achieve what they, can, what they want. They can. Yeah. Just do it right. You, you really can. And, and Chris, you know, Chris, is, uh, we've been in a profession where it, there are ups and downs. <laughs> Unbelievably so. Because you're in the spotlight in front of people, in front of fans, and they all have their opinions of you and whatever. You, uh, and and, and y- y- your life is put out there in the public domain, in the press and the media and all that sort of stuff. And it's some, sometimes it's not very it's not very complimentary what's been written or said about you. Um, 
but you, you've got to overcome that. And if you overcome obstacles and hurdles in your life, uh, you, you can go on and achieve whatever you want to achieve. Just on that, Steve, you said that obviously there is, there's many ups and downs in, in, in a career of professional footballer, but they're human beings. And I, and I, I Absolutely. think people actually realise that. The same as any walk of life, there'll be hardships that you have to get through, you have to have that belief. Yeah. But as a footballer, there is there is ups and downs. And like you say, you're in the public yeah. domain, you're out there. Everyone, everyone, everyone gets to see that. The people they? put you up on that pedestal, yeah. Chris, are the very same people that'll knock you off that pedestal. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And I guess in a way, does it help you or did it help you to cope with life as not being a footballer? Because what came first, the after dinner stuff or the motivation? The after stuff? dinner. Yeah, it's, um, that, that stemmed back years ago because I was, I was probably along with Alan Sunderland when we were both at Wolves. We were the two comics in the dressing room. You know, we, we sort of eased the atmosphere and the pressure of, of situations just by messing about all the time. And, and we signed a lad called Steve Kinden uh, from Burnley. And he is, he is, in my opinion, the best after-dinner speaker in the country. He's absolutely brilliant. And he phoned me the one day and he says, what, what are you doing? And I said, what am I doing when? He said, the next couple of hours. I says, nothing. He says, good, I'm on my way through Wolverhampton. I'll come and have a cup of tea with you because I want to chat with you. And I said, what about? And he says, after-dinner speaking, you should be doing it. And he come down and, and bless him and he, true to his word, he, he says, right, think of some stories that's happened to you in your career, write them down, just put them, you know, in a pile and, and, and put them up there. And I've been doing that, I've been doing that and been doing it 19 years now. You said there that you were the, the kind of the joker as well in the dressing room. Obviously yeah. that's put you in good stead for standing up because I've, I've experienced you came into university when I was there and I've oh, seen, I seen okay. it first hand, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the other side of it, being the joker, but you also went about business very well. How did you get that balance? I know I've been in many dressing rooms. I, I kind of went about business with my head down, kind of quiet. I'd be loud if I wanted to, but you yeah. were a voice, weren't you? But you would still go yeah. out there and, and lead I, by Do you himself. know, I didn't realise it at the time, but I, I, went to, I went to Man City and we signed a lad called Dennis Stewart. And uh, he'd, he'd, been, he'd played for the Cosmos. He'd been at Sunderland in the cup final against, I think it was... I think it was Everton, I think, or Liverpool, he scored over a kick. And uh, he, he always went by the rule, there's three whistles. You work hard, you train hard, and you play hard. And if, you'd, if, if, he, if he did that, that's the way he lived his life. Yeah. When it was time to relax, he relaxed. When it was time to work, he worked. When it was time to play, he played. Yeah. And that's the three things he, he stood his life by. And it, it, to be fair to him, I've seen Dennis a, a couple of times up at the Etihad, and he, he, he looks exactly the same. He hasn't put an ounce of weight on. He, he looks, he's playing, he's playing tennis, he's playing golf, a fitness fanatic, and it, it, that's the standards he set him, he put himself there for, and, and he stuck to those standards. And, and he's, he's still, still, you know, like he was when he was 30, 40 years ago. Brilliant. What do you get the most joy out of? <clears throat> Because I, <laughs> I, I know that you've got, I mean, you've gone into Compton a couple of times and spoken to the players around there and the young players yeah. too. And as Loom said, you know, you go into all these different places to go and do it. But you also, you know, if you're going in a room and you're making a room of a couple hundred people laugh and mm. stuff, so yeah. what, what gives you the most joy? Uh, well, do you know, I, I'll tell you now that a few weeks ago, because um, I, I get, I put myself under pressure, Mike, like, like Chris would. I, you put yourself under pressure to succeed, 
And it got to the stage where I, I put myself under so much pressure to do things that it started to get on top of me a wee bit. And, and to be fair, I, I had to go and see somebody and have a chat with somebody. Um, and I got back on the straight and narrow. And I, <clears throat> if I can help some somebody uh, that's not in any less position than me, but because I've got access to certain things, if I can help anybody to do something, I'll do it. Purely and simply because I can. You know, I'm, I'm in a, a situation where these people aren't. Like going and doing dinners, like going and, and, and chatting to people at Compton Hospice, yeah. you know, because I can do it because I've, I've got that spare time. And in it, this this lad, Mike, sadly at Compton Hospice, he, he passed away a few, uh, probably a week, two weeks ago. And I've been to see him and it made his day. Who am I? You know, I'm just I'm just a, a normal guy. Yeah. But because he'd stood on the terraces and seen me play for Wolves for nearly 10 years, he, you know, he, he put me up there on that pedestal. And when I walked in, he, uh, he, he couldn't believe it. But I, I did it because I can. And it, it made his day. And it, to be fair, it made mine as well, if I'm honest. No, it really puts things into perspective. Uh, with yourself, obviously, we all have kind of dark moments, I guess. We have touched on, on depression and things like that as yeah. well. Uh, I think a lot of people come away from the game and they're not ready for it. Were you prepared mm. when that time came? Or, or like, you say, like you said a couple of weeks ago, you're trying to do too much because you do. You put a lot on yourself. Yeah. But we do go through hard times. What about Absolutely. yourself when you when you when you finished the career? Was that something that you did miss the football side of things? Um, I, I didn't. Um, well, I think you missed that 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 banter with the lads, Chris, and that that togetherness and that camaraderie and that yeah. that you know that team spirit. Um, but I'd, I'd, I'd got to the stage where I wanted to try something else. I wanted to go out into the normal workplace and, 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 and see what it was like. And, you know, Monday to Friday, working five days a week. And um, I did that. And I went, <laughs> I went to work in a shop in Wolverhampton, and, uh, a sports shop. And um, I don't... Because being an ex-footballer, you've been up there and, and somebody... Um, the manager said to me, um, you see all them different coloured golf tees? I want you to separate them and put them into their the normal colours. Red, blue, brown, green, yellow. And there must have been thousands of these golf tees all mixed up. And he wanted me to separate them all and put them in the colours. I said, mate, do it yourself. I'm going. And I walked out. And then I got a job with the Carlsberg Tetley Brewery. Right. And because I'd set me goals that I wanted to achieve, Chris, as you do, because when when you start out as a footballer, you, you want to get in the youth team, you want to get in the reserves, you want to get in the first team, you want to get in the FA Cup final, you want to get in the League Cup final, you want to play in Europe. And those are your goals and targets. Yeah. And I set me goals and targets at Carlsberg Tetley um, because they, some people there felt, he's been a footballer now, we, we, we've watched him, now he's coming to try and take our job and, and do all this sort of stuff. And within, t I set my targets. Uh, within two years, I was salesman of the year. And it's just about putting yourself about. Yeah. You know, you go and knock on the door of a new club, and you, you talk about badalage and, and uh, investment. And, and with them, and it's, it's that was it. You know, it's brilliant. And I got in two years, I was salesman of the year. See, I, the, the thing I find fascinating about it is that there must have been people who, uh, you know, work at the club, work at a bar, social club, whatever. And they're like, hang on a minute, aren't you Steve Daly? Mate, that, it, 
when I when I went to Carlsberg Techly, I said uh, I said to the gaffer, I says, "What area are you putting me on?" He says, "Where do you think?" I said, uh, "Wolverhampton, absolutely." And I'd got an entrance into the club straight away. Because as soon as I walked in, people would say, "Well, I hope Steve, you're right. Come on, mate, come have a cup of tea. What can we do for you?" And that was it. It was just a way in. See, maybe we can get Loomis a job like this. Door-to-door salesman. I'll take it. I'll take it. Selling double glazing. Yeah. I, I just love that idea that, you know, that... Because uh, I, I would, if you came to the door, or if Loomis came to the door and he's like, blah, 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 I'd be like, yeah, come on in, let's have a chat. And then I probably would end up spending money. Yeah. Business's money, not my own money. It's good to yeah, know. absolutely. And that, that's the way it works, mate. That's the way it works, yeah. And I had 11 years there, and it was brilliant. But, you know, the the thing that um, we used to have um, training courses, and because I, I didn't know a thing about the brewing industry, Chris, I, got, I knew how to drink it, mate. I was, I was brilliant at that. I still am, I still am, to be honest with you. And I, went, I used to go on these training courses because I wanted to know everything about the brewing industry, the size of the battles, how many gallons was in there, how you were, your profit and loss, and your percentages and all that sort of stuff. And I went and I worked it all out on, on all these different courses. Oh, every course that was available, I went on. And people must have thought, is he real? Is he stupid? Or what's he doing that for? But when I'd said I was leaving Carlsberg Tetley, the manager got me in and he said, look, I want to offer you another job. And I said, what's that? He says, going round nationwide, putting all these training courses on for the brewery. So all them people that thought I was stupid taking all these courses on they would have to come to me every year for a refresher course (laughs) (laughs) which you know but uh, I I, I didn't do it I I went off and did the after dinner speaking but I've been doing the after dinner speaking probably three or four years while I was working at Carlsberg Tetley so that when that finally kicked in and it was three, four, five times a week speaking that just became too much and I, I gave that job up and just did that full time and been doing it 19 years now. So we have the, the almost one of the kings of after dinner speaking with us, Looms, which means that the final part of this podcast could be pretty interesting with some of this voice stories <laughs> that he has already prepared. I've been in a car with him. We went down, did a few games together back in the day. We went down to Cardiff. Do you remember, Steve? I do, yes. Drove him down to Cardiff, took him around Tesco's to get him some lunch, made sure he was fed. Plenty of his stories came out at the time, so I'm looking forward to the final part of the podcast. I'm, I'm, you, can, you can see you had more of a lunch than I did. Yeah. <laughs> more, do, of, more of that banter in the final part of the uh, podcast. Um, if you have anything, as ever, that you'd like us to discuss in this part of the podcast, um, you can get in contact with us, oldgoldclub at wolves.co.uk. Um, we are at Wolves across social media. And as ever, always give a follow to our sponsors, the great guides at Wolverhampton Building Supplies, at WV Build Supplies on Twitter as well. They're doing quite a lot of giveaways at the minute, so you can potentially get tickets to go and see a game. And we should point out as well, and I know it's in the the little advert that we do, but um, you can now get 10% off in store by quoting Old Gold Club at Wolverhampton Building Supplies. So that is well worth knowing, especially at this time of year, if you're going to be doing any DIY 
type stuff. Looms does a lot of DIY type things when you're renovating the houses and stuff. So Wolverhampton Building Supply is 10% off if you are an old Gold Club listener. Um, you'll find out more details about that when we hear our advert in a second. And then it's the show. Wolverhampton Building Supplies is your one-stop shop for all building and DIY products. And now they're giving listeners of the Old Gold Club an extra 10% off of the already low prices. It doesn't matter if you're a professional builder or just looking to put up a shelf at home. Just tell them in store that you listen to the Old Gold Club and you'll get an even better price in store. So check them out online at wolverhamptonbuildingsupplies.co.uk then head to their yard at 372 Bilston Road, Wolverhampton or give them a call on 01902 500 140. Welcome along to the Old Gold Club. I'm Mikey Burrows. Alongside me, as ever, is Chris Wellamo. And our guest this week spent eight years at Molyneux, making 244 appearances, making him 46th on the all-time list. And he also scored 43 goals as well, tied 48th on the all-time list for the club as well. Welcome to the club, Mr. Steve Daly. Thanks very much. We are Thank also you. very privileged because Steve Daly looms. Not many people know this. <laughs> is actually the first million-pound footballer. See, I've been trying to keep that quiet for years, and you've just blown <laughs> it, haven't you? You've just blown it right out of the It's out water. there. It's out there, because it's the famous story, isn't it? Everyone thinks Trevor Francis yeah. mm. is the first million-pound footballer, but he wasn't, was he, Steve? It was no. you. Yeah. Uh, um, apparently, Brian Clough... What you've what you got to do, as you know, Mikey and Chris, you, first thing you sort out is a fee, the transfer fee, and then there's add-ons on top of that. And Brian Clough apparently wouldn't pay the full million. He paid 999000 But with the add-ons, as far as I'm aware, took it over a million, the whole, the whole thing. Uh, my actual transfer fee was 1150 And with the add-ons, took it to one and a half. So, yeah, there you go. So, there you go. That is football history. Yeah, but that's, that's a trivia question. Yeah. Well, that's a shambles. Isn't it? it is. <laughs> it is. It's I can't it. believe you kept it a secret. I, put I, well, I, I did. I, I'd I question it. it. I kept it for so long. <laughs> he made the mistake of telling me that yeah, was his absolutely. problem. Um, but that's a, you know that is a, an amazing thing to be proud of. Yeah. Surely. I mean, I know it didn't turn out the way you wanted it to turn out. No, it didn't. No, no. But it's yeah, it's a, it's a part of history. It's um, yeah, I was I was I was proud of, that it. Uh, I, I got that uh, that uh, transfer fee. Yeah, it's. Uh, uh, but like we said earlier on, sometimes things work, sometimes they don't. But you just got to keep on it and go through your life, haven't you? You know what I mean? Being positive. Because we may as well talk about it. Because I know it's unusual to start off the program with the, when you left, but it is a remarkable part of your life that because you signed a ten-year contract, straight ten years to at, go to uh, Man City. City. Yeah, I mean, I don't think and then anyone... they came to the senses after eighteen months, and then I was I was over the water, wasn't I? But I, d- I don't think anybody has ever had a ten-year contract since, have they? I, um, I don't think so. Well, no, it's almost unheard of. A few seven years thrown it. What? What was it? A hard? Was it a hard decision? Obviously, Man City, the team, the history. But was it a hard decision to to leave when you did? Um, yeah, at that time, Chris, um, there was there was. It, it, I seemed to be in the the Sunday papers every week, you know. With this club after me, I mean Arsenal were after me, Chelsea were after me, Spurs, um, 
Well, no one, no one's to hear, by the way, because you, you were quality. That's why there, there was such interest. So it's like you say, you were, uh, there's a lot of clubs wanting you. So when that came about, did you, was your head turned? Did that, did that affect you? I, yeah, I th- to be honest with you, Chris, I think I got I got um, engulfed in all the all the press and and the media and everything like that because it was seemed to be every day, you know, am, am I going, am I staying, and what's going on, um, and and because I, I finished the game now, obviously, and um, I was getting phone calls every day at home. People had got my number, and it, I, it's unbelievable. I remember we, when I played for England B. Uh, I think we're out in Singapore, I think, and we've just finished training and I've got in the lift to go up to my room and right at the last, the manager that was running the tour at that time, God rest his soul, fantastic fella, Bobby Robson, he got in the lift and uh, he stood behind me, he said, you enjoying the tour? I said, I'm loving it, Gaffer, yeah. He went, yeah, it's good, isn't it? I said, yeah, he went, uh, Daly, Talbot and Walk. What a midfield that is. <laughs> I said, that sounds good, that gaffer. He went, you fancy it? I said, yeah. He went, right. We'll say no more about it till we get back and I'll ring when we get back. And he, as soon as that day we got back, he rang. And they offered two players and 400,000 and the club wouldn't tell it, turned it down flat. Unbelievable, it's mate. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that, it's the thing, is that um, you went, ended up going to Man City, but... Man United were in quite strong for you. I found this yeah, quote were. that came out, um, and it was from uh, I think the assi- Richie Barker, the assistant manager at the time, mm-hmm. yeah, who um, <laughs> described it. He said, uh, when asked about potential uh, swap deal between for you and Lou Macari, was it Lou? He said, yeah. He said, this is ludicrous. I've never spoken to Manchester United about Lou Macari, and all I can do is totally dismiss the idea. If Dave Sexton, who was the United manager at the time, came to me and offered Lou, Jimmy Greenough, or another first-team player, I might be interested in a swap plus cash deal. But it never happened. No. But I... I see, I had... Oh, I'm talking about these phone calls again. Um, I had a call from somebody that was quite well... Um, well up at uh, United and he said that they'd, they'd put a bid in for Ray Wilkins at Chelsea, God rest Ray's soul uh, they put a bid in of 750,000 and Chelsea found out apparently that if they didn't accept that bid United were coming for me for over a million quid and I just find that unbelievable because Ray Wilkins at the time had played 80 times for England you know, and captained them on about 20 occasions and I, I'd never played for England full team the first squad, never played for them, and here I am. They're going. I'm. I'm going for a million if they don't accept seven hundred and fifty grand for the England yeah. captain. I just. I just found that was absolutely ridiculous. You know. You made. You made a, a, a few appearances for the, the England B team. Yeah. Obviously, down to the performances that you had. Yeah. Obviously, it's, is that a regret that you never got that? Oh, absolutely. Card? I, the the a part of the. Saying yes to Man City was me thinking I'm going up there to play with Gary Owen, Ace yeah. Peter Barnes, and Mick Shannon, and and take my game to the next level, Chris. And because when we come back from that that tour uh, with the England B squad, uh, the manager of England at the time, Ron Greenwood, met us at the airport and said, "Listen, mate, the gaffer says you've had a good trip, so I'm bringing you into the full squad next season." And then I went to Man City and uh, never got another phone call. 
So the Man City move that that was solely a football decision then to obviously to play at a yeah, higher level to, to, to open to get other that, doors. I'd, I'd, I'd got most other things, Chris, uh, achievements, you know, England youth, England B, England schoolboy, um, and that that would have been the final piece in the jigsaw, getting a full England cap, and it never it, it never happened. But you know, uh, I've done probably a lot more than a lot of people have. Yeah. So, got to be happy with what you've done. How how much does does money come into it for? for to move the club, how much does the money side come? Because it does uh, play a part, doesn't it? Yeah, it, obviously, yeah. You've got you've got to look after yourself and your family, and um, yeah, it, they uh, they treble my wages when I went there from from Wolves to Man City, but then probably with what happened to me at Man City, the money became secondary. It, it was the achievements that I wanted. Yeah. Um, but the, the, obviously that didn't come because the players that they sold in the four players that I mentioned, they replaced them with people for far less money because they spent most of the money on me. So there wasn't a lot left in the kitty to buy players. And uh, they, re they replaced them with people from the, the old fourth division, which, yeah. which wasn't going to work, Chris, you know. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately it didn't work. But um, it, it, looking back at... at I remember being at Man City as though it was yesterday. Honestly, mate, it, it, it's that clear in my mind. And I go back, I go back now, and I, they treated me so well, it's fantastic. I went back up there for the Wolves game and uh, I did a couple of rooms and, and the, the reception I got was, was brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Because I, I've, I've spoke up there, I did uh, my first speaking engagement up at the Etihad um, we got there and there's 400 blokes, you know, from a, a city fan club, you know. And uh, when the guy introduced me, I got a standing ovation. Cra crazy. And I said, it's a pity you weren't like that in 1979. You know, and, I, and <laughs> it's funny, because they're all sat down and I, I stood up and I went... <laughs> I bet you never thought he'd have to pay to see me again. <laughs> <laughs> and it just it just settled the atmosphere, you know. And I go back up there now, and it, it's fantastic, yeah. brilliant. I, I, I was up there the other week when Wolves were there, and I, I, I spoke to Barnsley, uh, Big Joe Corrigan, Boothy, great, great lads, great friends. And it was it was fantastic, yeah, to go back there. And in a weird way, um, you leaving kind of led to Wolves picking up the League Cup. Yeah, that season because well, you were replaced by Andy Gray. They yeah. used the money for you almost immediately to break that transfer record yeah, again well, to get Andy I, Gray. Yeah, I left Wolves and they got to Wembley. I left Man City and they got to Wembley. <laughs> eh? Clubs were queuing up to buy me. <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it, it was amazing, yeah. But yeah, it was great. I've, I've, you know, Wolves have always been in my heart. You know, I was I was here for just under ten years. And uh, came down on trial at 15 years of age and ended up staying nearly 10 years. Because you were part of, um, I, I, this it's a funny thing to say because, you know, the more we have people on this program, you know, John Richards came in and talked really effusively about um, how the, the 50s and 60s generation were talked about compared to your group. And, yeah. You know, Carl yeah. Henry's been on the program and Matt Jarvis and a few others and have talked about how their generation is compared mm. to previous groups. And I've already been on record as saying I don't think your era gets talked about enough because you look through the 
the appearance records, the mm. goal records, <laughs> the trophies that were won at the time. The, there was a solid core of players of which you were part of mm. through that 70s yeah. that stuck with the club and took it to places that it's still not yeah, yeah, got yeah. back to. I, th- I think a big part of that um, was the, the togetherness uh, within the dressing room. Um, a lot of people still ask me, what's the best midfield you've played in? And without any shadow of a doubt, it, it was when I was here at Wolves with Kenny Ebert and Willie Carr. When you look at that that season, I think it was 76, 77, I think Kenny got 16 goals, I think I got 14, and Willie, who was the holding, he got 10. <laughs> so you're looking at 40 goals from the middle of your park. Yeah. But that, that, I think that was just, that was, we've got so much respect for each other. We trained with each other. We socialised with each other as, as a squad of players. And the atmosphere within that dressing room was unbelievable. And Wolverhampton, you know, when, when a player has been at this football club and they, they get transferred somewhere else, you will find a lot of times from the 70s, they come back here. I came back, Jeff's here, John's here, Willie's here, Phil Parks is here, Mel Eves is here, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> that is a joke, by the way. <laughs> Just in case anyone Mel's suddenly <laughs> thought that was being yeah. serious. So Mel's, Mel's a great was that, was that something that you were aware about then? Obviously, getting compared to the, the 50s, the 60s. Yeah. Because I, when I was here and we got promoted, I wasn't really aware of it. Obviously, you're, you're, you're commuting, you're driving, you're doing this. Carl Henry is a local boy, yeah. seen it firsthand. But when you played, like you're saying, 40 goals from midfield, doing well, not getting spoke about, probably in the in the right regard, as high as what you should have been. Mm. As a player, was it something that you thought, oh, wait a minute, that rubs me up the wrong way a little bit? Because it it's a bit, it's not right, I, is I, it? Uh, no, it's not. But it, it, I'm sure you were, you'd have been the same as me, Chris. You, you, you had your job to do. You just got on with your job. And, and whatever people thought about it or felt about it, then that, that was... That that's that was entirely up to them, but we we knew we'd done well. We knew, I think am, am I right thinking, Mikey? That that season in the second division was we the first to score a hundred goals that season. I I wouldn't know that off the top of my head. Yeah, though, I'm sure I'm, we scored hundred goals, Chris. We, but I think we get loads of games left to play. But we we went out with an attitude that we, we we'd never be beat. Yeah. You know, and we'd all got that one, once. You know what winning games does. It keeps you going and keeps you winning and keeps you on the right track. And we, we just felt that we, we couldn't be beat. Yeah. Every time we went out, every time we went out, we, we, we weren't going to get beat. But obviously sometimes you did, but you, you just got back on the bike and started riding it again and, and, and doing the same things. Because for those of a, a, I don't want to say younger generation of uh, of a slightly less vintage is that a better way I don't think it is is it um, for those who weren't around in the 70s yeah talk to me about the, the formation of that team because we've had John Richards in and we've had Kenny Hibbert in but we've not really talked about because you mentioned you know there was effectively was it 4-4 four, 4-3-3 four, four, three, three then so Willie Carr you and Kenny Hibbert John Richards Derek Dugan Waggy and Waggy on the yeah. left. Waggy also, John Farley on the left-hand side. Jeff Palmer, Derek yeah. Parkin. Yeah. John McCall. John McCall. Frank Monroe. Frank Monroe. Yeah. And Phil Parks in goal. Yeah. What a team that was, by the yeah. way. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. We, 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 Were you ahead of your time in that? Was I what? Uh, was the, was, t- the, team? was the, the style of play ahead of its time? 
Because nowadays, yeah, four well, three three is very, very popular. I, I, yeah, absolutely. We'd just got the right players in the right holes, mate. You know, there was no square pegs in round holes. It was everybody knew their job. Everybody respected each other. Everybody would go out and work their socks off for each other. And and that took it a long way, Mikey, to be honest with you. Everybody wanting to work hard for each other. And and, and if you're working hard, it, you know, and you, 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 as soon as things break down, you get back into your shape, you're going to be hard to break down, mate. You're going to be hard to beat. And we were, and we got... Talking about those 40 goals from the middle of your park, don't forget that you've got John Richards chipping in with his, Alan Sunderland chipping in with his, Kindo chipping in with his, and Dugan chipping in with his. We, we've got goal scorers all over the park. You know, it was it was brilliant. You look at that that team, and it's it's full of captains. It's full of leaders, isn't it? Surely there's yeah. some there's some heated heated moments there. Oh yeah, they're, they're, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you you've had it in the dressing room as well, Chris. Where <laughs> yeah. you you have to be pulled apart because we we were we were a successful side, and we got great belief in what we were doing. And if there was a disagreement, you'd have that disagreement, and you'd be pulled apart or whatever, and and. As soon as you got back out on the park, it was finished with you. It was done. Yeah. And then you're coming after the, after the game, and you, every, everybody's happy, and everybody's patting each other on the back. Uh, it was it was just it, there's a lot of things that happen in the heat of the moment, which happened in that dressing room. But as soon as it happened, mate, it was finished. It was forgot. Easy squad to to manage uh, from a manager's point of view. Um. Yeah, I think so. I think it was only like there was no rotation system then, Chris, isn't it? You know, the, the, where they rotate the team, say, I'm going to leave you out for a rest. Yeah. It's another way of saying I'm dropping you, isn't it, really? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, and, and we didn't have that. We, we, If you look at that team in that programme in 76, 77, like, like, like Mikey's just done, he's named that team. He named, like you could name the Liverpool 11 yeah. or the Leeds United 11 in the 70s. And and you could do that with his team, it was it was unbelievable, and and people players wanted to play. If we played on a Saturday, and then again on a Tuesday, and you didn't play on the Tuesday, you'd come in on the Wednesday morning, go and knock the gaffer's door and says, "What's going on? Why'd you leave me out last night?" Because you just wanted to play, yeah. And it was a great team to play in in the seventies. It, it was fantastic, and the support was fantastic as well, mate. Brilliant, absolutely superb. You obviously famously had a run right at the start of your Wolves career. You very young, very young player, as the team has this incredible run through Europe. And I remember talking to Kenny Hibbert about it right when we started this run of programs. That it's kind of, I don't think people talk about that enough. Mm. You know, going and beating the likes of Juventus and and yeah, your yeah. your big moment in the uh, so early in the semi final, which I think for quite a while was like. One of the fastest goals scored in European football for a long time. Was it 17 seconds? Was it something like that? I yeah. think it was. Did you say I think it was 17 seconds? It was seven. You broke so many records. Too modest. Yes, <laughs> yes. 17 seconds it was. To be honest with you, Chris, when it come, it, I think we kicked off and it got played back to Alan Sunderland, who was who was the right back that night. Played it down the line to Dugan. Dugan's played Danny Egan in. Danny's pulled it back, and it's just come across. And it, mate, it could have gone anywhere. It could have gone anywhere. And I remember that we played um, Blackpool out here, I think, in a replay. And we've got a corner kicking towards the the, the old uh, North Bank end. We've got a corner and Willie Carter, from our, on our left-hand side, and Willie Carr takes it with his, his right foot. And all I do, I'm standing I'm stand on the edge of the circle on the halfway line. And as Willie starts to walk up to take the kick, I, I jog 
to the edge of the 18-yard box. And all the players in there have gone to the far post, dragging the de defenders with them. And Willie's hit this ball, and it's coming across. And it, it, it's, it's wavering. It's going from right to left. And I think, oh, I'll get this down and chest it. Oh, no, I won't. It's, it's about, oh, no. And before I knew what had happened, I was on the circle on the, on the outside the box, and it's hit me on the head. It's, it literally hit me, and it's gone straight in the top corner <laughs> from 20 yards. And I ran off as though I meant it. <laughs> and people said, people said to me today, oh, remember that goal against Blackpool? Oh, great head, I want it, you know. It's, it's, and I, it, more or less, honestly, it just hit me. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> But you've got to check the accolades when they come, Mike, haven't they? Well, yeah. I mean, because I uh, say so I was trying to do some research on it, and I think there's um, Roy Mackay for Bayern Munich in the Champions League, I think scores one after 12 seconds. Is I think maybe he one was of offside. Only, yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. probably <laughs> one of only the few yeah. that kind of beats you on that <laughs> thing. But I mean, yeah, I say I I love hearing about that European run because I get the feeling from all the guys that I've spoken to so far that kind of because you are all so humble about it, but there is that real part of you that thinks should have won the final. Well, it, yeah, the UEFA Cup final. It, it was a shame when you look back and think. There's two English teams in the UEFA Cup final. You know what I mean? Playing Tottenham. It's, but if you have to, you have to go out and, and do what you do, don't you? I, I, I tell a story about Parksy, and he, he, he has Phil Parks the keeper, and I, I always say that he, he play, we played um, Tottenham Marty in the UEFA Cup, and I said uh, Ralph uh, Ralph Cole, Martin Chivers has got the ball on the halfway line, right on the left wing. He came in. He came in from the left-hand side, fully 30 yards out, and he's hit this shot. And the big man's gone for it. And the pace and the power has beat him. And it's hit the stanchion and comes straight back out to the 18-yard box. And there's Ralph Coates, who volleys it straight back. And Parksy tips it over. And I, it, it was an incredible save. And I said, big man, what an absolute stunning save. He said, don't say oh. He says, oh, still going for the first one. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kenny Hibbert said to us that he is convinced if you'd played Milan instead, you'd have won. He's absolutely convinced. Really? Yeah. What, what makes him... Well, he just thinks it's the, it was the element that it was the English team that you were up against. That if you'd Maybe, come up yeah. against Milan, because yeah, you'd probably. beaten Juventus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we, we built we beat some decent teams, you know, in that uh, that run. Well, Ferenc Maros, you know, there's a, some yeah. big stellar names of European Absolutely, football. Yeah, of course there is. Yeah, are in it. I mean, is that your happiest time? Because obviously that led on, I guess, to seventy four League Cup when it's all kind of within that, that little 74 period. Seventy four League Cup that I didn't play. In? Well, I mean, is that the one you're referring it's con to? Controversial, is it not? <laughs> Why? Well, yeah, the element that you weren't in it. Well, actually, you know, it's, it swings and roundabouts, isn't it? Sometimes you, 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 it happens and sometimes it don't. Unfortunately, I had 12 years where it didn't happen, you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, you just get on with it, mate. Get on with it. I'd, mate, there's, there's, there's hundreds and thousands of people would have loved to have done what I'd done in yeah. the game and loved to have done what Chris has done. But we, we were fortunate to, to have a football career. And, and when I look back now, what what... My career has given me. I wouldn't. I wouldn't change anything. 
I wouldn't change a thing, mate. No regrets. Not anything you think. Oh, I've done that different. Oh, I wouldn't have went uh, there. Oh. Even though good, bad experience, it makes us who we are. Doesn't absolutely, it? Chris. I never thought. I've got to be honest. For years, I never. If you worked hard, I, I, I never thought a player could have a bad game. But yeah. it obviously happens, and and it, it, you've got you've got to strive to get over that and 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 start again, and 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 get up and get back on the bike and and, and do it. But in, in terms of, you can only play football for so long, Chris, as Chris knows. But doing what I did, and what happened to me, has given me more things to do in life, and it's it's changed my outlook on life a wee bit because it, at the end of the day. It was a job. That's all it was. It was a job. Okay, well, this will be an interesting thing then. Just before we get to the rundown to finish off our Facebook and YouTube and Twitter show nowadays, um, what do you associate yourself with? So if I asked you, what did you do for a career? Would you say footballer? Would you say motivational after-dinner speaker that we've been talking about on the podcast? Or I know you worked as a beer salesman for a bit, but what do you define yourself as? Just an hard-working, half-decent, nice guy. Tried to achieve everything I could. Um, uh, be a role model to my kids, which I, I hope I am. And uh, and make my family happy. Because if you've got your health, you can go. Out, you can go and get everything else, Mikey. You can go. You can go. Out, you can go and get whatever you want if you've got your health. That bloke in Compton Hospice, mate. Sadly, he's yeah. not here. Yeah. So you got to make the most of what you got while you got it. So yeah, and if I can help people along the way, then absolutely. If I can do anything for anybody, then yeah. I I, I do quite a lot of uh, after dinner speeches. People say, uh, "Oh, this this one guy asked me at uh, Beskett Stadium, Andy Andy Keeling, his name is, and he said, what would you, I was doing a dinner there with Don Goodman.'" at uh, Biscuit and he said uh, what would you charge me to come and do a speech for my son and I said where is he he said it's here I said alright I said how old is he he said he died last year I said mate don't I said I'm 10 mile up the road I said I'll come and do that for nothing yeah and uh, it was a, he, I think he died of meningitis his lad and I went and did it for nothing because all I've got to yeah. do is go and get in a car and get it for half an hour and have a chat. Yeah. And then get back in my car and go home. I don't, I don't, why would I charge for that? Yeah. You know? So. Um, I've got to, that's, I have that's, to. That's closed the show, that. Yeah, I have, I, have to, I have to change the tone, unfortunately, <laughs> um, to go for our rundown, uh, which is kind of quick fire. Yeah, go on. And these are going to be quite difficult for you, I imagine. Who was the best player that you played with at Wolves? Kenny Ebert. Absolute straight in there. Kenny no, Ebert. no doubt about it. Kenny Ebert. Worst trainer at the club. Worst trainer. Oh, oh worst trainer. Uh, <laughs> probably uh, Big Frank. Mate, he's centre. He's a great lad, great player. But if he could get out of doing any running, <laughs> he would. But a great player, great player. Um, biggest moaner Bernard Shaw what was yeah. it what did he moan about oh everything <laughs> everything 
he honestly he could have a scrap in a phone box. <laughs> he could, honestly, he could fall out with somebody in a phone box. And mate, all he did was moan. Yeah, unbelievable. But another good lad, great player, great part of the squad. Yeah, great lads. Uh, who was your best friend at Wolves? Uh, up until he left, would have been Alan Sunderland. Uh, best mate now, Parksy. Yeah. By the way, on Alan Sunderland, I read a thing in the paper the other day. Apparently, like he lives on like a really tiny island near Malta. Yeah. And can you remember his the the hair he had? Yeah. He hasn't got one hair on his head. It's unbelievable. Honestly, yeah. Like yeah. apparently, like it's only like a couple of miles wide this island that he lives on. I'm just desperate to get him on. Maybe we should go for a trip. <laughs> yeah. yeah. An old sure. golf club trip. I'm so sure he'd welcome that. Let's go and find him. <laughs> yeah. Um, who had the best and the worst dress sense? Uh, the worst dress sense. I can tell you the best. That would be uh, Bernard Shaw again. Yeah. Yeah. Bernard. Yeah. Bernard was a, a snappy dresser. Uh, the worst. Are you putting yourself in this? No way. No. <laughs> no chance, mate. Um, that's a good question. That is, mate. Kindo. Oh yeah. Steve Kindo. Yeah, shocking. <laughs> shocking, mate. Honestly. And this is the seventies, so I imagine it's got to go something oh, to be shocking. Oh man. It, oh. <laughs> he, <laughs> mate, he had flares that they were halfway up his leg. <laughs> He looked like some out of the Bay City Rollers. <laughs> Who was the the funniest player you played with? Danny Egan. Danny Egan. He, Danny was a uh, God rest his soul. Great lad. Great player as well. Great lad. Yeah, he was. He was a funny lad, Danny. Who was the best manager that you worked for? I want to surprise you now, mate. Alan Buckley. Okay. Yeah. Alan Buckley at Walsall. He's when he, he signed me, and uh, he said, "Look, he said, you've you've played at far higher level than me." He said, "So, I can't tell you how to play. I'm just going to put you in the middle of the part and just go out and do what you do." And and I did, and it it it, it was a, a free roll, and uh, the football they played there at Walsall at that time, oh, Chris was unbelievable. They got some fantastic. I think they beat Coventry. They beat, I think they beat Arsenal, they drew with Liverpool and they had a cup game against Man City and Man City beat them 3-2, I think. They played some great football. Great, great lads. Great lads. Uh, what was the best goal you scored for Wolves? That header that I didn't mean. <laughs> you can't pick that. <laughs> uh, best goal I scored. I know there's quite a few to pick from. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to remember them. Um, I think well, for, for Burnley. What? Oh, get it up on there. Fifth <laughs> of November, 1975, Turf Moor. <laughs> I, I don't think this is going to be on the internet, Steve. It is. It's is on it? There. Yeah, it's on there. I look at it every day. <laughs> <laughs> The Old Gold Club, powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. Get 10% off in store when you quote Old Gold Club. So that was the show. On with the podcast. Um, Steve, right, you want me to find this goal? 5th of November 1975, Burnley versus Wolverhampton Wanderers. What am I, what am I, am I typing this into YouTube? YouTube. All right, hang on. Don't blink, because you'll miss it. <laughs> 
Right. Just to, while while I'm searching for this, fifth of fifth of November, nineteen seventy five. Nineteen seventy five. Burnley versus Wolves, Turf Moor. Burnley versus Wolves. I love that he knows exactly what to type in. Well, you're set. Do you want me to finish the rundown? Yeah, yeah you go. All for right. That. So, uh, what was the best game that you were involved in for Wolves? Um, I think. Wow, that's a that's a great question. That is, mate. Um, as probably the Ferenc Varus night. Chris, because I scored after 17 seconds and played really well, and the atmosphere, because it was night, you're under the floodlights, yeah. and the atmosphere was just unbelievable. It, the, the place was packed here. Uh, yeah. It was just amazing. Uh, fantastic. Never forget it. Yeah, Honestly, amazing. never forget amazing. it. Uh, final one. What was your proudest moment at Wolves? I think making my debut... And scoring, oh. scoring that four-two, uh, <laughs> we beat them four-two, and I scored the fourth, which on my debut was was fantastic. fantastic. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. I, I sorry, I made the noise because I think I just found the goal. Um, yeah, you move your finger around, right. So I think this is you, anyway. Of course, it's me. Because um, I've seen. I, by the way, I've just got a show limbs. I'm going to take it right back. This is the coverage um, from match of the day at the time. Um, Look at him there. Look at those big sideburns. That's you, isn't it, number eight? I'm on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> big, big sideburns of Steve Daly. Um, and so I think, is this John Richards that puts Wolves in front yeah, of this game? That that hits Richie, that. So the first goal in this, I mean, look at Molyneux in this as well, by the way. Proper old school. Yeah, there you go. Goal, goalkeeper was a mistake. So yeah, that's... Chris. Don't blink now, mate. That's 1-0. And then it's a throw-in on the left-hand side. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm going to pause it just before he hits it. So who's taking that throw-in? John Farley. John Farley. So throw-in, what, midway inside the opposition half? A little yeah, bit just, further. Yeah. A little, bit, a little further. bit further. Yeah. You've made a little breakthrough. Chris Oelamo, let's hear your reaction to Steve Daly's greatest ever goal. You paused it right on contact, didn't you? And there he goes. Sees that knows where the keeper is. Yeah, you don't stop them. That's instantiation as well. That's absolutely instantiation. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. I, say, I, I did a, a dinner up at Chesterfield Football Club, Chris. Um, it was the, the players' golf day. And the keeper there, Alan Stevenson, he was the commercial director at uh, Chesterfield. Right. And I said to him, I said, uh, Steve-O, cast your mind back, 5th of November 1975. He said, I knew you'd say that. <laughs> he said, I knew you'd bring that up. I said, did you see that shot? He said, yeah. I said, you saw it? He said, yeah. He says, when I dived and I landed on the ground, I was facing the net and I just saw it coming back out over the line. (laughs) (laughs) If you look at that, that's what he does. Well, uh, what I love as well is that everybody in the, I think, I presume that's the South Bank behind it that you're kicking to. That's at Burnley. That's at Burnley. Okay. Yeah. Um, But like all the fans have got um, umbrellas. Yeah. All umbrellas. Well, it's Burnley, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, classic. Um, so, yeah, that was your favourite goal. I yeah. love, I genuinely, if there's anything that I've loved more in this podcast, it's that you know the exact thing to type into YouTube. Absolutely. To, to find that goal. Ten grandchildren, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, they keep me up. They keep me on the phone, mate. <laughs> we all live in the same village as well. It's wonderful. <laughs> I love that so much. Um 
do it. Obviously, we're going to give you the opportunity now because uh, Kenny Hibbert's been in and John Richards has been in and we're hoping that Steve Kinden is going to be on a, a future episode. Don't have any feedback on the system. Because <laughs> it'll just come straight back. See, this is the kind of stuff that like he can say because he's been mates with him for yeah. 30s or 40 years. Yeah. And I can't. But it it's, must have been a laugh because you've told me loads of stories. You told me a story once and I, I can't remember who else was involved in it. And I don't know because the problem with you, Steve, is that um, you've obviously spent your, a long part doing the after dinner circuit. Yeah. So all the stories you tell me, I don't know whether they're true or embellishments or anything. You told me one about you and another player waiting to go in to get a pay rise. Oh, Alan Sunderland. Yeah, with Bill McGarry. Is this true? Yeah. See, Looms, check this out, because I love this. Go on. Yeah. Um, we come in to train Monday morning, Chris, and uh, Alan Sunderland, who was my best mate, uh, and the manager was Bill McGarry. And uh, Alan said, uh, Steve. I said, what? He said, I'm going to see the gaffer. I want to rise. I'm getting married. I said, uh, oh, OK. He says, when I've been in, will you go and ask for one as well? I said, yeah, of course I will, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, Alan gets up to the, the gaffer's office, knocks on the door, and Bill said, come in. Alan went in, he went, right, what can I do for you, son? He said, well, I've just come to see you, boss, see if there's any chance of a rise. He said, a rise? He said, do you want a rise? He said, you're only a kid. He said, listen, he said, I've got Phil Parks, I've got Mick Bailey, I've got John McCall, I've got Frank Monroe, I've got Derek Dugan, and I've got John Richards, and I've got Kenny, but, and there's only so many, and so many pieces of pie, mate. He says, so, I, I, I can't. He says, well, I need one. And Bill says, you're not listening to me, are you? He says, change places. Bill McGarry said, change places. You be the gaffer, I'll be the player. He says, okay, then. So, Bill gets out of his chair, goes out of the office, Alan sits in the gaffer's chair, and the gaffer knocked on the door, and Alan thought, I'll make him wait a bit. So he knocked about three or four times, and Alan went, oh, sorry, come in, come in. And Bill went in, and Alan said, hey, um, son, what can I do for you? He says, well, I've, I've just come to see you, Gaffer, see if there's any chance of a rise. He said, certainly, son, how much would you want? <laughs> and Bill McGuinness said, get out of that chair. <laughs> as he's walking out the door, Bill McGuinness shouts, oi, Tell your mate Daly not to bother coming in. <laughs> and Alan, Alan, Alan come down the dressing room and he said, yeah. I said, how'd it go? He went, don't, don't go in. Don't go in. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get anything. So. But there, yeah, that was it. Change places, brilliant. <laughs> you, you loved your time, didn't you, though? Oh, great. Loved it. Loved it. This, this, this football club is, is uh, it's in my heart, mate. It's, you know, I, I'd great, I'd, Nine or ten great years here, and uh, this 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 is the football club that made me. So uh, you know, it's nice it's nice to to still be here and uh, come and support them and watch them play. And and to be fair, the, the football they're playing at the minute is well amazing, amazing. Are they six in the league now? Six seven, or seven, seven. seventh. <sighs> to be fair, you know, as 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 you win games, the expectation levels go from there, Chris, don't they, to there. I mean, when when uh, I, I worked here on the, doing the interviews on uh, on the pitch at half time, um, nobody had really heard of Nuno, and and didn't know what to expect. 
But that first game against Middlesbrough, the football they played was unbelievable. And that day, the expectation level went from there to there. And they're delivering. They're delivering at the minute. What What would you say is realistic expectation this season? I, I think they're definitely finishing the top half. Uh, and it, can, they can get in the Europa League, can't they? Can they, can they it yeah? depends what happens with the teams above them. If they win the cups mm. and stuff, the places go down. Yeah. At the minute, I think it's sixth. Would You'd have to get, yeah. But if one of the top teams um, yeah. wins the cup, then it might go to seventh. I, I, you know, I, I think they've got a hell of a chance of doing that. Um, Wolves could win the FA Cup, you never know. Absolutely. Somebody's got to win it. Somebody's got to win it. So why not be Wolves? Why not Wolves win it? That would be a, f- a fantastic achievement, you know, from, from this is this is Nuno's second season here, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Mate, what he's done is, to me, is amazing. And one of the big pluses for me, other than the players coming in, has been um, Connor Cody. Yeah. To me, he is, well, he's amazing. He's, um, you know, people might laugh, but when I was in America, I played against Beckenbauer five or six times and so did Parksy. Uh, and we were we were having a, a coffee in town a while ago. And I said, uh, who does Connor Cody remind you of, Phil? He says, Beckenbauer. I said, don't he just? Different class. Different class. The only difference between them is their accents. so here you go to finish and I love doing this to people and I've done this to Looms before your era and you can pick any year from within that against this modern Wolves team who wins oh man the 70s Absolutely. I love We're it. We're all in our 60s, but we'd, we'd be all right. Are you still being them now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a way to finish. Steve Daly, the first million pound man. Thank you for joining us. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Loved it. Loved it. Cool. Right, I'm going to go and see somebody I like. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Old Gold Club, powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review and rating from wherever you get your podcasts.